0: Hey, welcome to Manalyzing. This is where men talk about the kind of stuff that men don't talk about. Put your hard hat on, get ready for a ride. Here we go.
1: And he was breathing, but it was like a very weird, almost like a snoring sound. Um, And I immediately knew something was wrong.
0: Hey, welcome to Manalyzing. I'm Garth Haslam. In this interview, I'm interviewing Chaco Fairbanks. Chaco is a woman who just had her husband pass, and it's been predictably hard for her. She had a great marriage. Um, so the question comes up for me, I think we all know someone or are close to someone who's had a spouse pass or a child pass or someone very close to them, and it's like, What do you do? What do you talk about? Do you bring it up? Do you not bring it up? Do you try and pretend they never existed? Do you try to be support? What does support look like? I asked Chaco those questions and she answered them very kindly and with a lot of grace. And here's the interview. Welcome to Manalyzing where men and sometimes women talk about things that men and sometimes women don't talk about. I'm Garth Haslam and we have Chaco Fairbanks. I know you so well that I just barely had to ask your last name from you. We feel
1: like we've known each other forever.
0: Yeah. Forever. She is kind of one of the, uh, you know, you, you run into some people and you just know they're awesome. And, and that's, that's kind of where, where it landed with you. And that's, that's why I asked you to be on this podcast. Um, like, you know, last, last I checked, you don't look much like a man. But you have uh, a story that I think a lot of men can identify with and one that everybody needs to hear. Men, women, sideways, horses, everybody needs to hear this one. Um, And I, I only talked to you for about five minutes that day, but, uh, but I could tell enough to know that you run deep and that you have a, that you have a story to tell and, and that it's one that, that, you have a lot to give to all of us. So um, that's a lot of speech by me. Um let's let's have everybody get to know you. Tell me who you are, what you do, what entertains you, uh, why you like your hairstyle. I know why I choose mine, but that's a different matter.
1: <laughs> sure. Um, oh, that was a large order. Um, I'm my name's Chaco Fairbanks. I did grow up in Utah. I left for about 20 years and, and just recently
0: came back. You lived in in Utah for a while. You left, where did you go and why did you come back?
1: I left shortly after high school. Um, just, well, I left, I should say I left Salt Lake shortly after high school. I I did go to the university of Utah, but I lived in Park City for the, um, during that. And then just as soon as I graduated, I was, I was out of here. I just needed to like, see the world. Um, and I did end up landing in California for a long time and then Tennessee. Um, and I swore like I'm, you know, was just going to keep moving on. And then my husband passed away, uh, nine months ago. And just after like three months of being, Like alone in the house, we had just recently moved to Tennessee and I didn't have friends or family there, um, decided probably the best thing for me was just to come back to my roots.
0: Um, you went to Cali first, what part Southern Northern?
1: Sure. Um, Southern. So I lived in uh, the Los Angeles area for about 20 years, Uh um, owned different companies from, uh, like marketing and production, uh, down to like an online farmer's market. So oh. it was, yeah, it was an exciting, uh, place to be. It's an exciting place to be an, an entrepreneur, but, uh-huh. um, it can also be a tough place to live. So, awesome. um, wasn't what I wanted for my life long-term, but it was great for the the time I was there.
0: So you went from, uh, SoCal, um, mm-hmm. to Tennessee, which is yeah. just a little bit different than Southern California. Yeah. Why?
1: That was a project. Um uh so I had bought a house up in the Smoky Mountains uh that we were gonna remodel. It was a really cool house, like up in the up in the up in the mountains. Um saw bears every day. And um, so that was like a big remodel that we were working on. Um so I had only been in, I, I think I only ended up spending about nine months in Tennessee so it was not like a, a, a long-term home for I, me uh,
0: when I when I met you a uh what couple of weeks ago ten days ago um, um you said something that actually that kind of floored me uh we were talking about the the attic in above your main floor mm. and uh there was none because it was a very small attic there was probably you know just a few inches between the top and bottom cords of your of what yeah. the attic may have been, but you go, yeah, it's not a big deal to open up the sheetrock. Let's do it now. And I'm like, what? Who is this woman?
1: I just cut a hole in it. I'll be fine.
0: <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I run into contractors who don't want to do that. Yeah, I mean.
1: I'm, I'm slightly, slightly handy. Um, I have remodeled a few homes. So I decided to start like buying little rental properties and I'd buy like an old house and uh, convert it, you know, remodel it and, and rent it out. So I started doing that like the last maybe seven years. I mean, I started out not knowing a thing. Yeah. And um, just have learned a ton. And then the last one I did in Tennessee was like major, major remodel. And I ended up having to do a lot of the work myself, so I am not a pro. But it is cool to learn. It's cool to be able to like know how to do it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. Before I uh, I got dedicated to being just the structural engineer uh, that goes to houses, I was the home inspector for twenty five years, and you know it was always fun for me to notice who would get on the roof with me, for example, and who wanted sure. to go into the attic. There was one instance where a dude was. He wanted he went up in the attic with me and then he walked across the floor like it was a floor. I'm like, dude, that sheet rock. And if you did he punch through. (laughs) He was lucky to stay alive that day and uh and then just barely i had a, a another lady not you but uh, i was going down in the crawl space and it was a crawly crawl space not one of those five or six foot depth ones so i was pushing aside the spiders and cursing my life uh, left and right with with each spider web that i moved and she goes yeah i want to go down there with you and i'm like okay <laughs> so yeah uh more power to to you guys uh there are there is, uh, there is nothing that you guys can't do. I guess it's kind of like us men. Um, we limit ourselves in many ways because somebody told us when we were growing up that we can't or shouldn't or wouldn't and not true. You know, you have just as much ability to crawl into an attic as I have of uh, learning how to braid hair. Uh, true. just not my own. So you're in Tennessee for for nine months and Tell me how that goes down with your husband.
1: Sure. Um, he, I mean, he, he was helping me attend with the remodel, but also traveling quite a bit for his own personal work. So, um, that t- those nine months that we were in Tennessee, we probably only were together like half the time.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and then he, I was getting really close to being done with the remodel and we probably only had about a week left. If that just a few days left on the remodel and, um, he had been gone for about three weeks, which was probably the longest. And he had spent, spent away, came home and been home for about two weeks. And as we were wrapping up, um, we were working on the house actually he was cutting down a tree. He was very excited. I had just like bought him a new chainsaw
0: and I was working,
1: I was working in the garage, switching out all the outlets to new ones. And, um, I heard the chainsaw stop and he kind of like screamed. So I thought, Oh no, what happened? So I ran out there and the tree had like fallen on the pergola and it was fine. I had just kind of like leaned over. Um, but I went up the stairs to help him and he must've been feeling lightheaded. He had told me like, if I ever faint, um, which has happened before he said, put, um, you know, just put my feet on a chair for, I don't know what that does, but, um, so he, must've felt lightheaded. And cause his, he'd pulled the chair over and was laying on the ground with his feet on the chair and he was breathing, but it was like a very weird, almost like a snoring sound. Um, and I immediately knew something was wrong because when he has passed out fainted in the couple times in the past due to like uh, blood clots, um, it was just for a couple seconds. Um, so, I called, I ran back to the garage and called, um, and sadly, I have video of all of this because of the ring cameras going on. so I like have watched them a million times, <laughs> knowing what was happening at like minute by minute. but um so I called nine one one and um, they talked me through CPR, and it just started, you know, I just like was so fast, everything that had happened. They, even though we were really high up in the Smokies uh, or up in the mountains, they got there pretty fast. It was, they got there within nine minutes of me calling. I feel like that's pretty fast for how far out we lived. And I will say, like, I know everything was done to help him. I mean, they did the paddles. They used four EpiPens. Um I mean it was incredible they they sent there were four people working on him. I mean they sent like two ambulances like they they were staffed and ready to help. Um and then they got him in the ambulance. They couldn't they didn't get him breathing again, but I for some reason I felt like they're here everything's going to be fine. Like they got him Mm-hmm. So I even grabbed, cause we were like so gross from working construction. So, cause they told me to drive my own car to the hospital. So I even grabbed like a spare, like spare clean clothes. Cause I was like going to be at the hospital for a long time. You know, yeah. like I was in it, they had them. We were like, that was it. We were going to be at the hospital for a long time. So, um, but then when I, and I showed up at the hospital and um, I, I mean, I was probably there for only like 20, 30 minutes. Like it just is this crazy thing. Like you show up and you're ready. They didn't, there was nothing they could do even when he even arrived. So, um, I got there and I mean, they were, they were so great with me. Um, the doctor actually like got down on his knees and held my hands and told me that EMTs did, um, everything they could, but there was nothing that they could do once he reached the hospital. Um, and so it was just like in minutes, our whole world, like it just everything stopped, you know, it was like, and then it's, you're just lost because, or in that moment, like, uh, after he had passed and I like signed the papers, um, I turned to the head nurse and I and I said, What am I like what am I supposed to do right now? <laughs> and she said, you, You've done everything. You've signed everything. Um you need to you need to pick a mortuary. And she gave me a list of people to call and she's like, You can go home now.
0: I don't think that's what you meant when you asked that question.
1: Yeah, it's just it's just the whole world turned upside down in that moment. And, and we also were in a unique situation. Our life was in a unique place because we had just spent the last year and a half traveling or sorry, we, we had traveled for a year before we moved to Tennessee. So we had, we had sold everything in LA decided to um travel the world for a year together, which I'm so glad we had that time. I mean, it was really incredible. Um, and then we had moved to Tennessee, but we didn't have, you know, I didn't have a normal job to go back to. I didn't have family or friends in Tennessee since we were new, there was no routine. We were about to like finish the house and leave. It just was, I, don't know, I just went home to an empty house and wailed. <laughs> wailed, just wailed. Yeah. And, um, of course, I called, you know, the, of course, I called his family. I even waited till the next day to call my own family. I couldn't even. I couldn't call them. Um, so.
0: Because.
1: um, It's. Uh, I just. I don't think I was. I wasn't ready I think to to talk to tell the news. It just didn't it's just it's surreal when that happens. Mm. And um of course I I mean I had to talk to his family. It's and it's his siblings and his parents and and um but I just I wasn't ready to I was limit. I guess I was limiting. I only had so much, so much room to talk to people, and I, and I, I really relied on the community. Um, let's call it the the community tree. So I I spoke to his immediate family, his siblings, daughter, and parents. I did call one. I I think I called my sister, and let her take care of the rest of the family. And then I called one of his, I called like one of his best friends and said, I, you are my one person I'm calling right now. And you can, if you can share it with others,
0: you asked him to do the sharing, but, but you also asked him to tell them not to call you at least for a while.
1: Um, I didn't tell him not to have everyone, anyone call me. I just didn't have it in me to call everybody. I mean, over the course of uh, the week, I think I was able to touch base with quite a few people. Um, but no, I, I, I will say, um, it's an interesting thing when someone passes away and, and I'm, I'm 100% been guilty of this up until now of when someone passes, we think like, let's give the loved ones space. Mm -hmm. I don't want to bother them. Right. Um, they're going through a lot right now. And at least for me, and I can't speak, say it's the same for everyone, but that would have been the absolute worst thing for me, for For people to leave me alone and for people to give me space. The greatest thing for me was for people to call me and text me and tell me that they were there for me. And, um, yeah, I I don't, I'm not sure why in our culture, it's like almost, taboo to immediately reach out to someone when they're going through something difficult but it was the it it you know it felt good to have people reaching out
0: yet another one of the horrible rules that society meaning everybody and nobody places on ourselves ourselves. is stupid and it's like Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense why would we do it well because everybody says to do it but it doesn't make any sense uh and and that's, I think there's, there's huge value in getting that from you right now. I mean, that if we stopped now, this podcast would be a big success only for, <laughs> for you saying that. Um,
1: well, you know, it was interesting. So after I have, um, so I have, a, we had a really close group of friends um, in San Francisco, which included family also. So his brother and sister live in San Francisco, and then we had a very small group, maybe Another like five people of um, just like our best friends. And um, after he passed away, the next morning, I flew to San Francisco. His daughter came out and we, they have this in the Jewish religions. uh, I think it's called like sitting sitting Shiva, where after someone passes, you sit for, I'm not sure if it's seven or or 10 days but we just sat together for a week. I think we were together for seven days in that, in one of my friend's houses. And we just loved on each other. We told stories, we laughed, we cried. There was no holding back emotions, <laughs> but, and we sat and we ate food together and it was the most beautiful way to mourn someone. I mean, I've lost loved ones before and that was definitely the healthiest way to go through that at least immediate first part of losing someone. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just the sitting. Uh, that's, that's a question that, uh, that is on the list is what should a person do? For example, I think I mentioned this to you when I, when I, when I, first met you i have a former uh brother and sister-in-law i lost the evil ex-wife that i was related to them through uh but they had they had a daughter who was probably three or four when she died and Uh, You know, they, she didn't eat very well. You know, her, her routine for, for breakfast was Coke and bacon. And then, and then for lunch, it was Coke and, you know, whatever was, was a candy bar. Um, Mm -hmm. she ate like that and not healthy. And then just one day randomly, she was dead and, uh, they just abused the heck out of themselves. They were sure that it was because they were horrible parents maybe that's true maybe it wasn't nobody knew um the doctor had mercy on them and uh basically told them that it was unforeseen unknowable unknown why she died and she what they knew was that she died uh so that's that's the setting and so then uh you know months and years go past and i see this dear abby um I think most of the listeners won't even know what Dear Abby is, but she used to be a columnist, (laughs) advisor. And um, I see this Dear Abby column on the fridge that says, um, my kids who have died, you know, they existed. Uh, They're in my memory. They're still important to me. I think about them, and I don't want everybody to say nothing and pretend they never existed in, in order to avoid hurting my feelings or making me cry. So, you know and that's another one of those stupid host society rules that just doesn't make any sense yeah. but i read that and I'm like, I'm like all right i'll honor her wishes so i brought kimmy up and of course she was crying immediately but i was like but that's what you wanted and my wife at the time she goes why did you bring her up because that's what she wanted um and, you know, it's okay to cry. It doesn't cost anybody anything. Uh, no. Nothing. No, it's, at all.
1: it's good to cry. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, and now you're bringing up stories from me, and they all come from left field. I was at a soccer game uh, just a few days ago where my grandson, who is 11, was, uh, he got shellacked. I think the final score was about 60 to zero. Not
1: sure.
0: And, so there were a couple of the 11 year old boys who were crying. And, and that's what the coach focused on. I don't want to see anybody crying around here. And I'm like, uh, maybe you should be focusing on how you improve your football team and, and not, and not, I don't want to see any tears. Um, yeah. Lost a little bit of respect there, but especially for men, that's, that's how we're raised from an age much younger than 11. It's like, Tears are bad. You don't get to have tears. You don't get to yeah. have any emotion, especially for men.
1: Yeah. So, and as opposed to, as opposed to like leaning into that feeling of, okay, yes, we're disappointed. And this is what disappointment feels like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a so, lot of positives. that how we're going to deal with that moment. Yeah. Sometimes you get crushed and it's okay. Sometimes you're the bug. Sometimes you're the windshield. It's, it'll happen both ways <laughs> and get used to it. Mm -hmm. and you know deal with it well um but that's you know i guess uh, i guess this podcast for me is 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 uh in a major way it's about bagging on society because we don't have to follow those rules Mm -hmm. you what did it feel like describe the moment when You were in the hospital and you were just told by the doctor that he's gone. What's, what's going on in your gut, in your heart?
1: Um, I mean, the initial is. Initially was just confusion. Like, no, I don't understand. Did you get him breathing yet? It was like. It took a minute to under it just like it, it it's not what was happening you know so I kept asking the nurse like how's he doing and and it, so I think when he first held my hand and said they did everything they could it still took a minute to understand like what what does he mean by that like there's that there's that scene in that movie I'm sure which everyone saw at the beginning of COVID with Matt Damon. I don't know if it's. I don't remember what it was called, but like when his wife first died, they tell him that his wife has passed away and he's like, okay. So like, how's she doing? Can I see her yet? There's like that moment of, you know, you're, 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 it doesn't, you can't, you are it does not you can not you do not digest it, but um, it's just surreal. It's, I mean, to be honest, it's been nine and a half months and it's still surreal. It still doesn't, it still feels like um at times it's can you know can he get better and come back type of like he's no. not really gone um and then there's tremendous guilt that in my case at least i'm, I'm the one that started with the cpr i'm he had fainted a few days so let me let me just he passed by i don't think i had said how he passed away so he had a blood clot in his lungs that we didn't know about and he had multiple blood clots in his lungs because he had um fainted a couple of days before and we talked about it like should we go to the hospital cuz he had blood, a blood clot like 4 years 4 or 5 years ago that similar thing. He had fainted and went to the hospital and they figured out he had a blood clot and then they put him on blood thinners and he was fine like nine months later. So, um, when he had fainted a few days prior to passing away, we talked about this and he was, he just blew it off and was like, Oh, it was just, it was nothing. I was, exert like exerting myself and i held my breath and and he was like laughing at the whole thing like oh i'm so so dumb i can't believe i held my breath and made myself faint um and was like adamant that he didn't need to go to the hospital um so when he had passed away there was just like such a wave of guilt that also hit me like i you know Shit, like we didn't come to the hospital and did i do cpr wrong and i mean with that night when i went home and was wailing i mean i think he passed away at like 4 p.m and i i think i was wailing until like 4 a.m and i just kept saying like i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry like i just felt like it was my fault um but i've had therapy and spoke with the doctors and i i know there was nothing else i could have done that it was his body's time Mm -hmm. and he had these blood clots and they weren't they were dislodging and they weren't able to pass through his they were getting it was it got stuck in his arteries there was nothing you could do but um
0: were they related to covid do you think
1: they're not sure. I mean, they think that he because he had he had atrial fibrillation, and he had been in the hospital over the last ten years twice for it. And they think just over time, when with the heart going out of rhythm, I guess that can cause um a couple things happen. I guess it could cause like um a uh, plaque to uh-huh. also develop in the arteries, and then it's just this bad combination of going into AFib again. And I get that develops blood clots in your lungs. And then when you do exercise, it dislodges because now you have plaque in your arteries. It gets stuck in your arteries and that's what made him faint. But then eventually it passed through, but you get a large enough blood clot. It won't pass through.
0: Um, How well would you say you know him?
1: My husband? Oh, we, we were, uh, we were like that amazing couple. We were, we were good.
0: And you notice you know, I very, use the word is intense. Um, if he were to come back to you today, let's mm-hmm. say he uh, sits down and uh, joins us with a third microphone. I've got a third one on the floor. I wish. <laughs> what would he say to you?
1: He, I think he would say that he was sorry. <laughs> but I didn't need to be sorry. Yeah, I mean, I wish we could have just had like I mean, I've lost loved ones when we knew it was coming, like cancer or other illnesses, and you have that time that, to spend quality time and to talk about like life and death and to laugh and cry and hold on to each other. And um, I mean, we did say "I love you" and hold on, hold each other all the time, but I I do wish we just had like a couple moments where we could have looked into each other's eyes and just like known what was happening but I think he he would say I I love you and I'm and I think he would actually be sorry that I mean we used to joke we used to joke uh he would say um he did like all the cooking and cleaning and he took such good care of me (laughs) and uh he was very supportive uh in in supporting me in my career. And, and, and he used to say, you know, that when I, when we get older, he'll pass away after me because he was worried that I wouldn't be okay without him. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Would he, how would, if you were able to say, look, I've been feeling guilty for reasons X, Y, and Z. How would he respond?
1: Oh, I mean, he would definitely tell me that it's so stupid and <laughs> that it was not my fault. And I, I do know that now. It just took me a while to get there. But um, yeah, it was, it was, it's his, his, he would say it was my choice not to go to the hospital. It was you know, his choice not to, I don't know, have gone to see a doctor after he had COVID, even though he was one of the high risk people and whether or not it caused it, I'm not saying it did, but it wouldn't have hurt to get checked out. It is he would have said he's an adult and he's in charge of himself and it's not, he made his choices and it's not my fault.
0: True. Yeah. My, my wife, I couldn't drag her into a doctor's office with a team of horses. <laughs> um, yeah yeah we we still like to to feel guilty and there's a thousand reasons to feel guilty after after a death i
1: i think you know one thing i i you know we do the best we can with the information we have in that moment
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i'm okay i'm at peace with that yeah so you know
0: that's yeah. okay that's that's kind of healthy of you. I, uh, you know, I have some good friends who got on, uh, one of them who got on the podcast and was talking about, uh, a day when he found out that his daughter, uh, was both, um, gay and suicidal. And being the man, He had nobody to talk to about that. He couldn't go to his wife. She was bearing the same burden. Uh, He couldn't add to her plate on that one. And he couldn't go to his daughter, of course, and say, man, this is a heavy load. He can't go to another woman. And he's too afraid to go to another man. So it was him, him alone, uh, with a burden that just can't be borne by A single human being alone and she didn't commit suicide but uh, can you imagine the the guilt that would occur uh, regardless of how good or, or bad a parent he was and this is one of the world's best men on, the, on he's just one of the coolest guys on the planet but you know whether or not that's the case there there would be so much guilt. And it would ruin your life. I I, I want to phrase this question in the best way that I can. Um, what was your husband's name? Cody. How long would he want you to be wailing? To 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 have your life shut down and to not be able to do much other than cry? Well, uh,
1: <laughs> how long? You know, we actually used to talk quite a bit. We well, we had had a fr- one of our best friends pass away nine months before he passed away. Uh-huh. And we had talked quite a bit about what if one of us passes, but we were always, he always would say he was going to live to be 104. So it wasn't going to be him, Uh but um, we had, we had discussed like, if I passed away, that, what that, like I said, just give it nine months or six months before you at least date someone. But, (laughs) but that was more of like, you know, it's just so crazy. So the time you're just like, making jokes but then when I mean I'm, I'm so far but um, how long would he want me to be crying I I don't I don't know I'm not Let's I mean reverse. he wouldn't want me he wouldn't want me to, to ever be ever be like debilitated and unable to live my life he wouldn't want you know, to me to be doing that, but, um, I have, I mean, I'm at nine months, uh, luckily I've had a life where I could create space for myself and I didn't have to go back to a job. I didn't have to pick up my kids from school or take them to school the following week. Um, so I decided I'm going to give myself at least, I I told myself at the end of, you know, I'm, I'm going to give myself no pressure to do anything for six months before I think about my what's next, because I didn't have a job. I didn't have, I didn't have a permanent residence. I didn't, (laughs) those are things that I was going to have to figure out. And I said, I don't have to, I'm not, I'm going to give myself six months before I have to figure it out. And so that's when I moved back in, I mean, at age 43, I moved back in with my parents, Um, but I just, I was able to give myself the space and time to say, you know what, just mourn. And I spent a lot of time outside. Utah is absolutely beautiful. So I, I went on a lot of hikes and spent time with some of my closest friends and laughed and cried and got an awesome therapist and just worked started working through it um and six months hit and I definitely got nervous because I wasn't ready mm-hmm. um to think about a job or to think about where I permanently wanted to live. was I gonna stay in Utah or not So um even though he and I had like kind of said like okay, we'll spend grieve for six months and then we can figure you know figure out life but um so I'm but I feel like I'm at nine. I'm at night. It's been about nine and a half months since he passed. And I just got this new job. And I feel like the world is starting to turn. And that was the right amount of time for me. But I think that's what's important is, is not rushing it. And what is the right amount of time for somebody for yourself?
0: So when somebody comes up to you and says, man, my husband just died, how long is he going to take me?
1: I mean, I it's gonna take. I'll never. I mean, it'll be forever. I I I don't think I'll ever. He'll never be a huge part of my heart and soul. I mean, I'm never gonna not mourn him. I'm I'm probably gonna cry every week for the rest of my life. But that's <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, I look at those moments as times as I get as as moments that I get to hold him close to my heart. So I'm not. It's just that I'm not upset that I'm or are frustrated that I'm still crying and I'm still heartbroken. I, and I don't think there'll be a date when that ends. It's just becomes less and less and a little bit and more manageable. Um, right. Yeah. That's what I say is it just starts to become more manageable. And uh, as my therapist says, like the rapids and the waterfalls of of this river become less like less big and less crazy but there will always be times that are difficult
0: it's a good analogy the rapids and the waterfalls i used to have a diving inspection business we i would dive scuba dive into uh drinking water storage tanks city state city tanks and they would pay me a lot of money to do this i would go down to the bottom and clean the you know, whatever was at the bottom of those storage tanks. (laughs) And then one day I got a contract out on the great salt lake where I needed to do an inspection underneath a bridge. So I had to buy a pontoon boat and I went and found one. And I was talking to the guy, a single old man. He was probably 70 something. And, um, you know, we we somehow got talking about his wife who'd passed, and I asked him, you know, how long has it taken you? Because it had been it had been a lot of years. I said, how long how long did it take you to get over her? And he paused and kind of looked down and choked back some tears. He says, I think about her every day. Yeah. And my reaction was, you lucky dude. because I realized and I said this to no one at the time I, I said I was like if I if my wife at that time at that died time. I wouldn't have mourned like that and so you know the argument is is I guess that if you get somebody that you love and who loves you and even even if that's for a week uh that's that's a gift yeah um then i did kind of find somebody who was pretty awesome by the way and yeah. i was looking for someone who could love me and i found that person and happily ever after and- so it's doable
1: It is. It's special having that person. I honestly think I'll never, I don't think I'll ever have someone who like what, like Cody, (laughs) I'll never be loved. Like I was loved by Cody. We, we were special and he was really special and he just, he loved so fiercely me, his friends, his family life. He was a very curious and, um, lovable exciting person yeah we had i mean his i had to do his memorial at a wedding facility because so many people were gonna come
0: yeah it was yeah
1: he was a really special person
0: what let's give you a time machine
1: Mm -hmm.
0: do you uh should we should we put you in a Back to the Future type car,
1: a DeLorean, <laughs> a DeLorean? Yeah. Only if I could. Only if Doc could be my co-pilot.
0: Yeah, well, that's probably arrangeable. Okay, so <laughs> you're you're in the DeLorean, Doc's in the uh, passenger seat. He goes, "Okay, I I know how to set this back to any date, any year." Hmm. What year are you going to go back to? You can only talk to, you can only have one person in the room and that person could be you, a younger mm-hmm. you. Uh, who are you going to go back to and what are you going to say? What question are you going to ask or what are you going to tell them?
1: Oh, I mean, I definitely would go back with my husband. Um, probably which version um in so 2021 we so we were like we had been like living on a sailboat we saw we decided my nephew had just passed away who i was very close with and i said we said life is precious we love each other what are we doing just working grinding away and we we shut it down we sold everything and decide we're gonna travel around the world and be together. And I would go back to one of those times, it was just such, it was a really special time. And we were so close and just really, um, I guess present in our life about what we were doing, why we were doing it, what was important to us. Um, So I go back to one of a moment during that year and somewhere really cool we went to a lot of cool places (laughs) I could like revisit Indonesia with my husband sitting in a cabana looking at awesome waves like maybe that would be the moment
0: I go back to Indonesia yeah that's uh, (laughs) that's kind of remote did you do that in a sailboat uh just around that area Mm -hmm
1: no we no we'd sold the boat uh we considered whether we want it. our boat was definitely not uh seaworthy enough to go around the world so okay. we decided to sell it and and bop around the world by just flying instead but
0: that's kind of inspiring because you know it's almost like somebody guided or got guided on you know let's let's live life while we have each other around because yeah. for me, I mean, I've been nose, nose to the grindstone all of my life. And, you know, there's been the occasional trip to, I don't know, places. But nothing that awesome. And, yeah,
1: and we we did it because we knew, like, life is precious. We are, I mean, at the time when we left, we were 41. And we said, we're... We're young. we 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 feel like we're young at forty one, or felt like we were young at forty one, oh, and young. and uh, we're like there's, you know, now's the time for us to do adventures we might not want to do when we're older. Mm-hmm. So um, we, I mean, we went, we were surfing, uh, we were in Tahiti, Indonesia. We were in Indonesia surfing. We went and like did safari in africa and hiked to see the gorillas we went to the middle east spent a month in a camper van in europe i mean we just whatever we could think of we did it it was like the no holds bar year Um, we went to 14 countries and just really went all out
0: i i did the world's weakest version of of what you did so while you were going to Indonesia and, and Israel, I was going to the closest A&W <laughs> that I could get to with my dad. Um, for me, I wanted I knew that there would be a guilt thing after he died, and so I, I was doing my best to avoid dealing with that guilt. My way of doing that is uh, because I'm around everywhere all the time, and so when I was anywhere near Orem, uh i'd uh, stop by his house and you know i didn't honestly convicting myself i didn't want to take him to a big restaurant because that would be too much time too much distance and <laughs> my primary motivation was just to avoid the guilt but he liked an a&w that was about a mile away and so we'd go there and uh, he always ordered their hamburger and, uh, and then spit on my food because he had bad dentures and it was painful. You know, I, I, I had to eat food that had been spit on repeatedly. <laughs> I can't say I, I, I loved it, but, um, <laughs> I spent enough time with him that I was successful in avoiding the guilt of, you know, you should have done more. You could have had more time with him, You suck because because now he's gone. I, I avoided all that. I'm grateful for that. So I think it's just ironic that uh, you did things in a grand way and I did things in the most minimalist way ever. Uh, but I'm grateful, and I think you are, that you had that time.
1: Yeah. It's, it's holding the people you love close to your heart as much as you can. I mean, I realized that that Obviously, my situation, not everyone can do <laughs> to say time. life is precious. Let's take off for a year. You know, luckily we had saved and we could figure it out um, mm-hmm. to do that. But that was our intent. I mean, we we were conscious of life is precious. Like, let's not just enjoy each other, but let's also do these things that are so easy to push off that you say, Oh, one day I'm one day, I'll go do safari in Africa or, you know, one day we'll, we'll go do, I don't know, go surf in Tahiti or something. So we just felt like let's do it now.
0: I've listened to Dave Ramsey a lot and sorry, Dave, for picking on you, but you're right. Most of the time, um, I believe, and I'm putting words in his mouth. I know that. But uh, I believe that his message is sacrifice now and then you can go to Tahiti when you're 60. That wouldn't have worked for you.
1: No. No, that was not my mantra or my husband's. Not that we were irresponsible. We still worked hard and, and um, you know, still had decent career, good careers. Um But yeah, I don't subscribe to that mindset of just put your head down now and figure it out later Mm -hmm. because there's, as we see, like we all lose loved ones at young ages. And I, I, I mean, for me, I think it's important to, to spend the quality time with the people we love, um, when we can,
0: right and you know for for those who are listening who are like i'm a hundred air i i i can't uh, go to the next city without without denting my bank account mm-hmm. um there are ways you know i my wife she she quality time for her is is one of her five is probably her biggest love language mm-hmm. and so for her that means uh, because we're both entrepreneurs our day ends at uh you know eight thirty or 9 and so then i'm hers and she's mine and we will go watch something on netflix together
1: yeah the yeah. snuggle
0: yeah. that's
1: like the greatest quality time <laughs> yeah you don't need to go, go on a big adventure but that i mean that that counts
0: it's awesome when you can yeah i i kind of envy you guys do you do you believe um, it just seems more than coincidental that, uh, you had that year of super duper quality time and he had the motivation to, to make it happen before he died young. Do you think that was a God thing?
1: Oh, I think it was a God thing. Um
0: have you considered that?
1: No. I'm I have not. Uh-huh. I'm not I mean he definitely you could ask any one of his friends, family, frankly you could ask any Uber driver that had had him in the car. Um he was a man that lived life in the moment and lived life to the fullest. Uh-huh. So I I think we just both were on that We're just both that type of person, Uh but, um, but I don't know, maybe there's something there. Um, I will say too, that last nine months. So we, we had done that came back and we were home for about nine months before he passed. And, and I, I had mentioned how he was traveling about half the time and only with me about half the time during those nine months, but he, the way his work was taking him around the country, it was like, he was on a friend tour. So he also, during those last nine months, had spent time with so many of his friends. And so when he passed and I was at the memorial, everybody had, you know, the story of the last time they were with Cody. And it was within the last year or within the last nine months. So it was a little ironic how he had we had our incredible time together in our year of just the bucket list year quite literally and then he had that all that quality time with his family or friends um friends and family as well so
0: what does your present? let's take yesterday okay um I don't know necessarily want to know as much what tasks you did as mm-hmm. what was going on in your mind and your heart and your gut. What did that what did yesterday look and feel like
1: to you? Hmm. Well, um I really one of Cody's best friends just came to town. His brother's coming came today. Uh-huh. So, uh we're all spending the weekend together. Um So I actually, it was really nice to have, um, have his best friend come into town. So it actually was like a big Cody day yesterday for me. Uh Um, and then at the end of the day, I even like, I'll, I'll talk to Cody at the end of the day and kind of fill him, not every night, but not every night anymore. But tonight I did talk to him last night and just fill him in on how we were all getting together. Do you um,
0: believe that he's there?
1: I got. I I I I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not a religious person. Uh-huh. So um, I. But he's there in my heart.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whether there's an actual spirit or what have you, I'm not. I'm not sure because that's. And like I said, I'm not a religious person, but he is there in my heart so i'm talking to my cody uh-huh. <laughs> that i hold inside of me and that's that's good enough for me that <laughs> makes me feel better talking to him um but so there was that part it was a cody day for me um but a good one not a curled up in a ball crying day it was a filled with love telling a couple stories wonderful day with So with Cody's friend and then, um, and then also having, um, I'm just, I'm taking some making choices that are for the future and which I haven't been making any choices for nine months about any future, but, um, I've, as I've met you decided I'm, um, gonna remodel this house. So it feels good to make choices. Like I'm putting in new windows. I'm gonna <laughs> tear down a wall. so i'm I'm making choices that are about a future. I bought a season's pass to ski. I mean, these are decisions that that might seem trivial in a regular person's life. but like i've I haven't made any decisions about anything in the future for a long for a while now. And it feels good to have my world start turning again where there is a future that I can start to plan for and, and make decisions for.
0: Do you think he would agree that, uh, that 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 it's a good time for, that it's, he wants you to start making decisions and moving forward?
1: Um, I, th- I think so. It feels, I'm not, I'm still moving slow,
0: uh-huh.
1: but it's a pace I'm comfortable. It's a pace I'm comfortable with.
0: Awesome. So That's, that's kind um, of a perfect answer. What is the difference between a good Cody day and a bad Cody day when you're, when you're crying and uh, fetal on the floor and, and yeah. washing the, you know, mopping the floor with tears? Uh, yeah, what makes that's... one day good and what makes one day not great?
1: Um, I, I, being home alone. Is hard. I don't have a lot of them, to be honest. I, I mean, I spent three months, I've spent like the last three months kind of traveling. If a friend invites me to something I'm in. Mm -hmm. So I, but when I, or being home alone, that's when the day it's, uh, those are the harder, those are the harder days. And, um, It, I mean, I still haven't gone through any of our, like any of his things. Mm -hmm. So, uh, days where I think, oh, maybe I'll start to like, cause I I packed everything from Tennessee and brought it out back. So days where I think, oh, maybe today I'll go through one of the boxes or one. And I'm home alone. It's like a terrible combination. So, um. But I I'm I'm actually it's I don't get too many of those in the last three weeks. I've just <laughs> I should say sorry. um, I've just started to make a turn where it's become it's it's manageable now, like I can I'm doing okay. having loved ones around or even if someone calls uh-huh. then then um that. Helps. I mean, just someone reaching out. Hey, how are you doing? Having a nice phone call.
0: When somebody does come over, do you want them to talk about him?
1: I mean, I do um, Yes, absolutely. And I don't need it to, to be the whole conversation, but um it's not taboo. It's not not okay. It is precious to be able to have. I mean, spend a whole hour talking about him and us and our life and um so thank you for that space to be able to do that
0: you know there are any number of couples where one of them dies and the other one is alone and you represent every one of those to me uh people are going to listen to this podcast and go what can i learn from from Chaco, that I can't ask my friend, who is now single. So you've provided uh, that guidance. It is okay to talk about the deceased spouse, and uh, I'm going to interject. I I don't have any boundaries. Um, he's around. He loves you. He's there, and I love you. <laughs>
1: Thank you. And thank you. I really, really appreciate the space for us to to be talking about it.
0: Hey, thank you for listening to this banalizing podcast. I appreciate it. You know, I don't go hunting for men with big stories and big issues to deal with. I find that pretty much any man that I talk to, he's going to have a story. If you're inspired by what you hear, here's my invitation join us join manalizing manalizing.com lift and be lifted help other men and allow other men to help you let's do this together we look forward to meeting you manalizing.com <laughs>